Man, we have been in an amazing series, have we not? Fierce women. I don't clap. It's the ladies clapping. Now's our time to shine, right? We have been in this series of fierce women of the Bible. In the first week, um, we heard about Mary Magdalene, which is an incredible, powerful story that Tim shared. And last week with Mother's Day, the mother, the source of life, Eve. Well, today is not going to be any exception. We're going to learn about an amazing woman. Can't tell you her name yet. Not going not gonna to let the cat out of the bag yet. But you're going to love her. You're going to resonate with her. And she is one fierce mama. And she um, made, took, a, took a choice to have courage in a moment and um, it changed her history and her family's history for forever. Well, have you ever, you know, been doing something, you've already like set your mind to do it, and then when you get closer to it, you're having to talk yourself into doing it. You're like, why did I make this choice to do this? Why did I pay to do this? Why, why am I even here? Have anybody ever done that? Like you're like headed towards something, you're like, I can't believe I paid to do this. So a couple years ago, a few years ago, we were in Ecuador and we'd gone on this missions trip and we were in orphanages. You know, they normally give you a free day to explore the country and see everything because it's so incredible. And um, so we went off to explore this mountain and go hiking and zip lining. I'm pretty adventurous. So I'm like, man, this sounds like fun. So we get on this, you know, huge, massive bus, you know, and the roads are always like this. We get to the very top of this mountain. And we get to the top of this mountain and I see this little shack and it's like leaning like this. And I'm like, is that, is that our destination? Is that where we're going? Oh, it was, that was where we were going. Well, then I look a little closer and we're going from the top of the mountain all the way down to the bottom of the mountain in one movement on our stomachs. And so, you know, I've been zip lining before, you know, you're like here, stop and get a little break. You know, then you go to the next location and you're seeing all the foliage. Man, this was just like one stop shop straight to the bottom. So in my mind, I'm like, there is no way. These people, I don't even know if this place is registered. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Better Business Bureau hasn't been to check them out in a while. I mean, is there any regulations? Like what is going on here? And so Tim looks at me and he's like, I said, babe, I'm just not doing this. I just can't do it. I mean, I don't know if I can trust those people. I mean, I love my life too much. We've got three small children at home. And he's like, you know, you know, you're going to regret it. You're going to look back and be like, man, I wish I had. He's like, we're going to be all the ones having fun. You're going to miss out. And you're like, man, I wish I had. I was like, dang it. I hate when he's right. I hate it when he's right. And I'm always up for a challenge. So there I was, I'm like, okay, let's do this. I get in line before, you know, I could talk myself out of it. As we're standing in line, there's a couple people ahead of us. And so one of my friends, Tim's like, okay, maybe I should start inspecting these, some of these ropes because it does look a little shady, the shady shack on the top of the mountain. And so he gets closer and he realized her cable, the one cable, we have one cable on the top um, that's holding your whole body weight and it was frayed. I mean, it was less than a shoelace. It was the tiniest little piece still left on. And Tim calls the guys over and he points to it and they're like, ooh, like, thanks for catching that for us, buddy. Like, go ahead and take that off. Let's, let's change out your harness. So then my heart starts beating a little faster. I'm like, are you serious? Am I really paying to do this? So then the guy got ahead. Well, then I realized that you have to be weighed before you get on there. So then I'm like, okay, I don't know about you guys, but for us ladies, I don't know what's worse, the fear of heights or being weighed in front of the whole mission team and everybody knowing how much you weigh. You know what I'm saying, ladies? Can I get a little holler out there? And so I'm like, my gosh, I'm gonna have to get weighed in front of everybody, you know, and all of this. So they bring our friend over and they get him on the scales and then all of them come over and they start looking. 
and they look at each other and they look again and some are going like this, some are going like this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this does not look good. <laughs> so they finally take him off. They're like, no, no, today's not now. And they're like, it's okay, go ahead and come on. We're, Tim and I are trying to talk him out of it. I'm like, if they've already said no, you don't need to take your chances and go back on there. So they gave him two harnesses and sent him down the side of the mountain. So by this time, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I hope you were in this place right now. So I'm about to come meet you. So here I am, I get on the edge and you have to get on like on your knees. And I, I think that was for one last chance to say any prayers, confess any sins and make sure you're right with Jesus before they just like push you off the edge. So they, they're like, just lift your legs up and we'll just push you off the edge. So they lift me up and you know, push me off the edge and there I go flying off the side of the mountain, however many hundreds of feet it was up in the air. And man, I feel the wind in my face. I'm loving it, I'm like, I'm like an eagle, I'm soaring greater heights. Then I had to look over Tim and be like, you were right. I love this. <laughs> Tim never let me live that one down because he was like, I told you you would like this. But it was so fun. It was exhilarating. It was, you know, we could talk about it for forever. And I got to say that I did it. I took a chance, got over my fear and um, zip lined down the side of Ecuador Mountain. Well, this woman that we're gonna talk about today, she took uh, an even greater um, chance, got over her fear and made a choice um, that changed history forever. So today we're going to go back into the Old Testament. We're going to go all the way back into the Old Testament. And I've got to set up the story for you real quick so you understand the significance of what is happening. So we go all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to Moses. When Moses was, you know, taking care, uh, he was out in the field and God came to him through the burning bush and said, go to Egypt, rescue my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage. I've chosen you, Moses. And Moses is like, I can't speak. I can't do all this. Surely it's not me, Lord. And God says, yes, it is you. So Moses went to Egypt. He went and stood before Pharaoh and he told Pharaoh, he said, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, I don't know if he said it like that, but he said something like that. And then the plagues came and, and the famines and everything because Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let his people go, let the children of Israel go. So finally, the last straw was when um, the death angel came and finally Pharaoh was like, okay, Moses, I'm going to release the children of Israel, take all of our wealth, take all this, just get out of here. We've experienced too much already. So Moses takes the children of Israel and off they go because God had given them a promised land. God had told them, he said, I want to take you out of Egypt and take you to the promised land. And Moses is going to lead you there. So they follow Moses and there they go. You know, they're probably cheering, man, Pharaoh's let us go. And then all of a sudden they get to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's behind him because he changed his mind. So he sent his chariots and his, all of his soldiers out to get them. He's like, man, what was I thinking? Bring them back. We need all of our slaves back and the people to do all the heavy work for us. So as they're coming and they're standing before the Red Sea, God did the miraculous. He parted the Red Sea. He performed the miracle of parting the Red Sea for them to walk through it over to dry land, to the ground and to go towards the promised land that God had called them to. So Pharaoh thought that he would be super smart too. He's like, oh, it's my lucky day too. I get to go over on the dry ground as well. Well, it wasn't Pharaoh's lucky day. <laughs> as when they got on the Red Sea, God completely, boom, he took the Israelites' enemies out. So this is what started them on this journey. And Moses has taken them and they've wandered in the wilderness and they're still heading to the promised land. And there's so many stories in here, but to get to where we're going today, 
It brings us up to Joshua. Joshua was under, um, he was like the leader of the army and he was underneath Moses and he had led many times. But Moses coming towards the end as they're getting closer to the promised land, Moses had disobeyed. And God said, you're not gonna be able to take the children of Israel into the promised land. So I've given Joshua this opportunity. So Joshua, so Moses passes away. And as Moses passes away, God says, then arose Joshua. Joshua came up on the scene and he's like, man, this is his first chance. So here they are on the edge of the promised land. This is the first city that they've come to. They've come to a city named Jericho. And Jericho is the first city they need to conquer to be in the promised land that God had given them. So as they get closer to the, um, they're getting there and Joshua is like, man, this is, you know, I've led, I've led battles and I've been this way, but this, it's all on me. I'm the leader now. So he decides to send two spies into Jericho. Now God had already promised Joshua that they would claim the land, but Joshua was like, man, I'm going to send some spies out. I'm going to have it checked out just to make sure, you know, what's the temperature like going on in Jericho because Jericho, don't think of like a small city. Think of Jericho as like a big fortified city with walls that were impenetrable all around the city. It was called the, um, the city of the palms because there was a spring inside of Jericho that, um, so their city was flourishing. It was wealthy. It was well, I mean, they had gates on their city. Nothing was coming in. So Joshua sent two spies, and this is where our fierce woman comes into the scene. Where do you think God sent these two spies? God sends these two spies to a lady's house named Rahab. And many times in scripture, we hear her referred to as Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute. Now, why in the world would these, these, two, these two men end up there? Well, I think we'll find out a little later on in the story why God chose Rahab, because she is a fierce woman. So these men get to Rahab and they're like, you know, I think many times, you know, her house was on the wall. So it's probably easy, accessible to be able to get into her house. Probably she had a lot of traffic going on, if you know what I'm saying. She had a lot of traffic going in and out of her house. So they had an opportunity to like stop in and be there and unrecognized. So that way they could see what all was going on. So as they're in Rahab the harlot's house or Rahab the prostitute, the king gets wind that there are two spies from the enemy land that have come to, to um, check out what's going on inside of Jericho. So the king sends his men out to Rahab's house and there they are. They knock on the door. Rahab answers the door. And they're like, hey girl, we've heard that there are two spies in here. And you know, is, is this true? Like, are there two Israelite spies in here? And she made a choice that day. And she said, mm, nope, they're not here. They've already left. She said, they went out the city, up the hill. If you hurry now, you can find them. Well, I wonder why Rahab did that. I mean, Rahab is a pagan. Rahab, like her, her culture wasn't, she wasn't an Israelite. She worshiped, she didn't worship the one true God. She worshiped idols. Her culture was a pagan culture. She was a Canaanite. She was an enemy to the Israelites. So why would this woman choose to do that? So the men, the um, king's council went out to find the two spies. Well, they weren't there because they were in Rahab's house. So they came back, couldn't find them, and they shut the door of the city. So here these two spies are trapped in this prostitute's house. 
nowhere to go. She could have turned on him just like that because if the, if the king had found out what she had done, she would have been a traitor. She would have been killed and her family probably would have been put to death as well. Well, this is where we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter two. So exciting. I always love this story as a kid reading it. Joshua chapter two, verse eight. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we are afraid. She's talking about the Canaanites, the people who are living there in Jericho. Because everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea. Remember the story I told you guys about? She, they had all heard those stories of God's odd wonder when you left Egypt. And we know what you did in Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. This is Rahab talking. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. And here's the shift where it happens. She went from worshiping the pagan idols to choosing the one true God. For the Lord, your God, is a supreme God in heaven. All of a sudden now she's recognizing it, that who God is of the heavens and above the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee. When Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. The spies said, we offer our own lives as a guarantee. For your, your, for your safety, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then, since Rahab's house was built in the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window to escape to the hill country, she told them. I love the fact that she didn't even just hide them. She gave them an escape route. She's like, you know what? I'm going to even help you a little bit farther. This is my country. This is where I'm from. I'm going to help you a little bit. She didn't have to do that. She let them know I have a plan of escape. She said, hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken if only you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. Now remember, it's a scarlet rope, which is a representation. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and um, all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street, they will be killed. It won't be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on them inside this house, we will accept responsibility for this death. If you betray us, we are not bound to this oath in any way. Rahab says, I accept your terms. And then she went on, she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up to the hill country and stayed there. And the men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road. And they finally returned without success. So the two spies came back down the hill, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua, the Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people of the land are terrified of us. So God sent Rahab, this prostitute, to give these men the best news of all, to reassure them the truth of what God had promised, that he was good to his word, he was true, and they were going to conquer Jericho. So Joshua, that's right. So Joshua gathered everyone together. 
He gathered them together. He's like, now is our time because this is the battle plan. This is the game plan that God has given us. And this is how we're going to take over it. Because God says, it's not what you're going to do. It's what I'm going to do. And isn't it, that's what it is in our life many times. He's like, man, you've been trying on your own. You just need to just chill out. You need to put your strength and your trust and your hope in me. So Joshua gets everyone together and he says, this is what it's going to be like. He said, for six days, we're going to march around the entire border of Jericho only one time. And we're going to go in silence. We're going to march around every day for six days. We're going to go one time. And then on the seventh day, we're going to march around the city seven times. So that's exactly what they did. Can you imagine as they marched around the city day one, day two, and people are like laughing at them, ridiculing them. What are you doing? I mean, have you not seen our city? Have you not seen how amazing it is? You think you're going to intimidate us by marching around us quietly? Nothing happening? So they did that for six days. And on the seventh day, we pick up in Joshua 6. Now, I can imagine for Rahab, when she saw them, it gave her hope. Because she remembered and she had a hope that those men would remember who she was because she put the scarlet cord down her window for them to remember her. Can you imagine her gathering her brothers, her sisters, her family, everybody? Man, I bet that house was packed out. I mean, she's like, if there's no room, we're going to start stacking you on top of each other. I mean, we're going to squeeze as many people as we can into this one little house. So here we are in Joshua 6, 6, um, 15. Okay, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town just as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast, God's, um, Joshua told them the Levites went first, which were the priests. They were the worshipers. Remember, as we worship God, as we worship the one true God, what happens? Things start to happen. Things start to shift in the spirit world. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town, Jericho and everything in it. It must be destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared. Suspared. They were definitely spared. For she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourself will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Like, well, that's kind of weird. Why that? This is God reminding us once again, the importance of the tithe. This was the first city of the promised land. And he tells us to return our first, to return our tithe, to return it back. And this is God laying the groundwork for us to remember to return our 10th, to return our tithe, return our first back to him. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. It's always good to remember to keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house, bring her out along with all of her family. And the men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab and all of her family, and they were in a safe place. Man, I think of this woman, and I think of this woman, and I think, man, Rahab, 
man, why do we have to like call her Rahab the prostitute? Could it just have been Rahab or all of this? I think God is wanting us to see today that many times we get labels. It's part of our story. And God wants to take off the labels and show you from where you were and where he wants to take you to. You know, many times as I think of Rahab, because Rahab wasn't mentioned just one time in the Old Testament. You would think her story's over here. She did her job, right? She saved her family. But no, God mentions her several times, but this time it's in the New Testament. And where will we find Rahab in the New Testament? Do you know where we're gonna find Rahab? We're gonna find her in the first book of Matthew, where Matthew in detail tells us about the lineage of of Jesus. And he goes by because he wants people to know that God is true to his word, who God is, and where we all come from. Do you know who is in the line of Jesus? Let's go to Matthew and find out. Let's go over to Matthew. We're gonna skip down. He's read a lot of the ancestors, but we get to chapter five, I mean, verse five. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Here Rahab is mentioned in Matthew. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. This once called labeled woman who was a prostitute is now the great, great grandmother of King David. We all look at David and we're like, man, King David, a man after God's own heart, look at what all he did. And King David, who was he in the line of? He was in the line of Jesus. I love that Jesus, my Jesus, your Jesus, chooses people with a past so only he can get the glory for their future. And I want you to know today that it doesn't matter what your past is, it matters where God is taking you to your future. And Rahab's story just doesn't end there. Yeah, she's in Matthew. Yeah, she's, she's in the line of Jesus. But Jesus also gives another shout out to our girl Rahab. You know where he shout, gives her a little shout out? He gives her a little shout out in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. What we as believers, what we as Christians, we call our hall of faith or a hall of fame. When we're feeling a little discouraged in our faith, we're feeling a little like, man, God, you're not coming through on this. You promised me this, but you haven't come through yet. God's like, go to Hebrews 11. What's in Hebrews 11? Well, he reminds us. He reminds us in Hebrews 11, verse 30. In verse 31, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the wall came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. She was a fierce woman. She had heard the stories. Everybody else made the choice not to believe. She made the choice to believe and changed her family's history forever. They say in the Old Testament that the Israelites took in Rahab after that. She no longer was, was over here. She was adopted as an Israelite. That is why she was in the line of Jesus. She turned her back on the pagan, pagan religion and she turned her eyes to the one true God. And she ended up going from a house and a place of shame all the way to the Hall of Fame. And only my Jesus can take us 
from a place of shame and take us to the hall of fame. And I don't know where you are in your story today. Maybe you're past the place of shame. Man, you're like, maybe. I remember when God saved me years ago. Maybe you're in the place of shame right here today. I'm here to tell you that God wants to replace that shame and put you in the hall of fame by you calling on the name of Jesus and realizing what he and only he can do for you. You know, many times in our, in our society or places, we get labels. And I think of all the different labels. You know, many times we get labels and, um, you know, we choose them for ourselves. Many times we choose labels for ourselves. But many times we don't. Our family gives us labels. You'll, you'll always be. That's just us. You'll, you'll always be that. Don't try to break free of that. Who, who do you think you are? Society, our peers, give us labels, don't they? I remember my story of a label. Maybe you feel abandoned. That's a label that you've put on yourself. Feel abandoned by God. I remember one of the labels that not many people knew about me. And I had, Riley was an infant. And Riley was born at a, a, healthy, a healthy weight. She was eight pounds, nine ounces big baby girl and doing great. Around three months, Riley, they listed her failure to thrive. She, her health kept getting worse and worse and worse. And as a mom, I mean, we went to doctor after doctor. They thought she had cystic fibrosis. They thought she had celiacs. They, thought, they didn't even know what she had. So at a year old, she weighed 11 pounds and we still were searching, looking for answers, wondering what was wrong with our daughter. I remember going to a Wednesday night prayer gathering and I was like, man, I'm going to take Riley in there. I'm believing God for healing. We had laid hands on her. We had prayed for her. We're like, God, we know you can heal our baby girl. And God's like, go pray with Dora. So I went over to Dora and I said, man, Dora, I need you to partner with me, man. I want to believe God to, tonight that he's going to heal her. So she's like, okay, girl, let's pray over Riley. So we start praying over Riley she stops and she looks at me and she goes, Stephanie, she's like, Riley's not going to be healed until you're healed. She said, until you're whole, your daughter's not going to be whole. Now I was in ministry. Now I was a believer. Now I was doing all the things. What was she, what was she referring to? Well, what she was referring to was I had a hidden, hidden addiction. One of my labels that I was wearing was an addict. No one knew. It was my image. And I'd had an eating disorder for years. And no one knew about it. And that was the label. That was the identity that I had carried. As I sat there looking at Riley, and I felt so broken. And I was like, God, if you'll just, you'll heal me, God. I never want my daughter to feel unworthy. I never want my daughter to feel unloved. I never want her to not realize that she was made in the image of you, Jesus. It starts with me. It starts with me. I want to put, I want to rip off the label of addiction. I want to rip off the label of unworthy, unqualified, uncalled. I want my daughter to know who she is. It's, it was a journey going through there. There are many times I felt angry as I walked through healing, as I, let, as I let go of people, the bitterness I held in my heart, the anger, the unforgiveness, the fear. What would people think of me? 
because that's what it was, the addiction, the fear, what people thought about me. Always had to have it all together. My image had to be perfect. What would they think about me? Maybe, maybe I didn't think I was enough. Maybe I, maybe I wasn't not, I was not enough. All these labels. That's why I resonate with Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute, because I was Stephanie and these were all the labels that I had hidden, that I was wearing, that the enemy had given to me and I was carrying around. Jesus was like, my daughter, that's not who I called you to be. You know who I called you to be? He said, I want you to take off the labels of being unworthy. I want you to take off the labels of all of this, of failure, of fears, of unwanted, of unloved. And I want you to put on the label of chosen. He said, because I have chosen you and I have called you for a time such as this. You're not gonna live with all these labels anymore. You're not gonna live as a label of an addict. You're not gonna live as a label of broken. You're not gonna live as a label of unloved. You're not gonna live as the label of unwanted, feeling like you're not gonna fit in and you're gonna be unwanted if you don't look a certain way. I said, girl, I love you too much for that. I gotta rip off those labels. I gotta give you the label that says you are chosen. You are called. You are called by my name. Psalms 133, and it's just not me. This is your story. You have labels. You have labels in your mind. You're like, man, I didn't realize I had that label that I've been carrying around for too long. One day is too long to carry these labels around, guys. If we're gonna be fierce women and men in our communities for Jesus, if we're gonna be bold witnesses for him, we've gotta take off the labels. We've got to take off the shame. And Jesus today wants to exchange your label today. He wants to exchange your label. He is more than able to exchange your label today. And it's not easy. Many times replacing these labels is not easy. We learned last week with Eve, we've got to replace the lies. Rip off those labels today and replace it with, hello, my name is chosen. You're gonna find in your seat, if you look, or you were handed labels today as you walked in. If you're online, you can grab a piece of paper and jot it down. Don't miss out on this, on this little exercise to connect the moment with Jesus. And on your seat, you should see a Sharpie. And I want you to use the, the plain labels. I want you to save the hello, my name is, because that's where you're gonna replace the old label with a new label. So I want you to take this label and I want you to start writing down. Take that pen, you'll look, you'll see it in the seat in front of you, you'll see it in the little cup holders, you'll see a, you'll see a pen. Write down the labels, the labels you've called yourself. Maybe a parent spoke those labels over you. Maybe a parent spoke labels over you, shame that you carried for years. God wants to exchange that label today. What's it gonna be? As we're writing down our labels, I think one of the best things that we can do is I brought this board up here just as a visual for us to remember what we can do. And I think of the wall of Jericho, it seemed like it could never come down, right? And what the enemy does to us, he's like, you'll never be able to get rid of your addiction. You'll never be able to get rid of your brokenness, your anger, your failure. 
You'll never be able to get rid of those. That's what Jericho felt like. It felt like a city that wasn't going to be able to be conquered. But God wants us to put all of our brokenness, our labels, all of them on this wall today and watch him take them down. God wants to take down the labels for you today. And this is for you just as a place of surrender to be like, I'm putting this up here because just like the wall of Jericho, now this, hopefully I think Job built this pretty good. It probably should not fall, (laughs) but it's just a visual reminder for us almost nailing it to the cross. That is why Rahab put that scarlet cord. That scarlet cord was a reminder of what Jesus was gonna do for the cross, on the cross for us. That scarlet cord was to remind us that Jesus died for each and every one of us to take our shame, to take us to the hall of fame. So in this moment, if you wanna have a reflective time, you can bow your heads, but I want you to come up here and put your labels on this wall and say, today, Jesus, I'm getting rid of these labels. I'm no longer gonna carry these labels because I'm gonna replace this label with chosen. Just take a few minutes, just sit here. You can bow your head. Don't close your eyes because you should be writing on your paper. Not gonna get you out that easy. But write it down. What does God wanna remove from you today? Took me too long. I'm happy to tell you, you want me to tell you a cool story how amazing my Jesus is? How amazing your Jesus is? Riley, to this day, has been healed. She no longer is sick. She no longer has the problems. When her mama became whole and released all the addiction to Jesus, released all of her failures to Jesus, you know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't just heal me. Jesus healed my family. And I got to break the curse of that going from generation to generation. And my baby girl now sings of the wonders of who Jesus is. And she knows that she is fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are her, his works because she is chosen. Guys, I'm here to tell you today, surrender is the best place you can be. Let's learn from our girlfriend Rahab, Rahab the harlot, as a reminder. God puts her name in there as a reminder, an adjective to describe her so we can resonate with her, so we can resonate. Man, she didn't have it all together, but Jesus. I don't have it all together, but Jesus. You don't have it all together, but Jesus. So take your name tag out. This is for you to take home with you. Put it in a place for you to remember. Put it on your mirror when you get up. Put it in your, on your, in your car if you're driving. Where you're gonna be, put it right there to remember you are chosen, you are loved, you are wanted, you are adopted into the family of God, you are healed, you are fearless, you are chosen. Don't let the enemy rob you of your future by listening to his lies. I want everybody to to bow their head and close their eyes. We never like to end a gathering without sharing the hope of the good news of Jesus. That scarlet cord, picture that scarlet cord hanging down. That's what Jesus did on the cross for you. That's what Jesus did on the cross for me. Those watching online, that's what Jesus did for you, our Momentum Online family. And if you've never received the gift of Jesus, today is your day. 
Jesus died on the cross for you, if you were the only person in the world, he would have done it just for you because he loves you that much. Not only did he just die on the cross, let me just tell you, the good news is he was raised again to life after three days. And that is the hope of our salvation because Jesus didn't stay in that grave. He came out. And that's why we celebrate a risen Savior. And Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And today, if you have never called upon the name of the Lord, I want you to use your voice and to call upon the name of the Lord and he will save you. He'll save you today to break you free from all of these labels, to break you free from the addictions for this life. And then we get to spend eternity with the Jesus in heaven, the best gift. So I'm gonna say a sinner's prayer and you can repeat after me. It's not me that's doing anything for you, it's just you giving your heart to Jesus. So we're gonna say it out loud to encourage our brothers and sisters who've never prayed this and maybe it's the first time they've prayed that prayer. We're gonna say it together. Say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. I am trusting in what you did on the cross and I believe that you died just for me. Thank you for rising again just for me. I ask you to come into my heart today and receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, I'm here to tell you if you prayed that prayer today, that is the best decision you will ever make. And your now starts today. Your future starts today. We want to celebrate with you on the count of three. We're going we're gonna to applaud. We're going to clap. We want to celebrate this decision that you've made. If you're watching us online, we want you to text Jesus to 1-866-513-1270. I want you to throw a thumbs up in there. I want you to throw up a little praise hands. We want to celebrate with you. And for all of you in here on the count of three, we're going to celebrate. We're going to go crazy because people are going to be crossing over the line of faith right now. One, two, three.